This is the Hardline Sports Talk with Michael Merlo and John Michael Masiri on the SND Podcast Channel. That's right. Episode 67 of the Hardline Sports Talk. I'm Michael Merlo. I'm joined by John Michael Masiri. JM, how are you doing today? I'm good, Murray. Yo, nice, nice fade, man. Looking good. Yeah, got it today. Feeling good. If I'm feeling good, that means I'm playing good, right? So yeah. I'm excited. I hope so. I'm expecting a big performance out of you tonight. Yeah, even though allergies getting to me a little bit, a little uh, exhausted. But we're fine. We're all good. Ready little, to go. A little long on the top than than what I'm. Um, yeah, it's what everybody's saying. I don't know. He did. You know, what's funny is that. I go to the barber and I'm like, I want a haircut. It's like, yeah, he cuts the side, but he doesn't take enough off the top. Right. But it looks good. It, he did a good job. I got to say. It does look good. I, th- I think if you wanted, you could pull it back with some gel in case you have like a nice wedding to go to or something like that. Make the it last look time, nice. I've never put gel in my hair. So last time I put gel in my hair, I started like just putting it like on the top here. Right. And then all of a sudden I had like a sticky patch in the middle of my head because it did nothing and I couldn't get it out. Well, you just don't know how to apply gel to your head because you're a moron. That's exactly right. right. And also, when he leaves more on the top, you're supposed to brush it, and I don't brush my hair. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's you, you just little... don't you don't know what the hell's going on, basically. I just want my hair to be if if the barber is not cutting my hair, I don't have to touch it. If I have to touch it, he did a bad job. Okay. That's that's my thing. Fair so point. all right, yeah. But it looks nice. It looks nice. So that's a little hairstyle talk there. I, I know my way around a, a buzzer and some a pair of clippers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's start with the NBA here. Game six coming up Thursday night. You know, it feels like it's been a, an eternity since the last game, but that's what the NBA does to you. Whatever. I don't know if it's the NBA or ESPN, you know, or ABC. I, I can't tell. I think it's the NBA though, but either way, we got game six in Boston Thursday night. Golden State looks to clinch it after winning a game in which if I told you Steph Curry didn't hit one three-pointer in the game and he only scored 18 points, you would have told me Golden State loses that game. No, they win the game at home. Andrew Wiggins steps up, and they've got a chance to clinch another NBA title. What would this be, their fourth now in, you yep. know, in the little Steph Curry era? Clay Thompson, yep. Draymond Green, Steve Kerr? Yeah, number four. Um, listen, Warriors, they they had, like you just said, a really nice performance around Steph Curry. He did not have it in game five, and they picked uh they picked him up. And that's what they had to do. I mean, after the guy goes out, puts up 43, has a historical performance um in game four, you know, and he's been lights out the whole series. You knew he was gonna have one off game. Um, and luckily in, in a crucial game, game five, a gigantic swing game, especially when it comes to a two, two series, um, they, they came through for him. And I'll tell you, you know, there's a lot of talk about Jason Tatum and the Celtics and how they played, but for right now, what we're talking about with the Warriors, I think that the story, like you said, is Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he is, if it's not Steph Curry, it's Andrew Wiggins for a finals MVP. He really has been phenomenal. He, I think. The game before, he had something like 17 and 16, you know, crashing the boards, playing really, really good defense. He's got a better defensive rating in this series than Andre Iguodala did in the series where he won the MVP back in 2016. So very, very impressive. And I, I've heard this talk, too, even just the when he came back, Clay Thompson, this postseason, Clay Thompson has not looked like himself. And I don't think people expected him to be exactly what Clay Thompson was, which was, you know, a top 75 player maybe ever in the NBA. In the NBA, I mean, he was ranked in the top 75 um, best players ever. But he has not looked like that guy. Last uh, on Monday night, he had 21 points, playing a little better. I've heard a lot of talk, though, about possibly getting rid of him and making Jordan Poole the new two guard in Golden State, but he's proven those haters wrong. And if he can, you know, have a big game six, close it out, that could really change a lot. Yeah, I've also heard that. I mean, listen, Jordan Poole, in my opinion, is never going to come close to the type of player that Clay Thompson is. That's no disrespect to him. He's a very good player. Jordan Poole had a great season for the Warriors, but, you know, like you just said, Clay Thompson considered um, an all time great, probably going to be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. So, um, I mean, he shows himself in flashes. He, there was a couple down the stretch. He played really well in, in game five, um, hit a couple really clutch threes, back-to-back threes on two possessions. So 
He's he's looked good. He's not the Clay Thompson that we're used to uh, ever since those you know the injury two years ago and the setback with the Achilles. We knew he wasn't going to be completely back, but he doesn't need to be completely back because this team is just top to bottom loaded. They they really have amazing depth, and we should have seen it coming. Honestly, you know the the Warriors they had the first overall pick. Obviously, you know about the Wiseman pick, and you know they just had a really tough year last year, but. We really should have been aware of the comeback. Uh, uh, wait, hold on. I need to correct myself here. Was Wiseman one? Wiseman was the number two overall. Pick. Was Cunningham? Uh, was Kate Cunningham? Was yes, this number the, two. So he was second. Okay. And they, right, and, and that's what's funny. They don't even have him. So you want to talk about how great this Warriors team is now? They could be even better next year because all of these guys are coming back. Steph, Clay. Draymond, Poole, Wiggins, they're all coming back next season, and they're adding Weissman on top of this, yeah. which Weissman could shoot a little bit, maybe not from three, but he could, you know, he could shoot mid-range shots. He's going to open up the floor for them big time. So not to talk about next year because, you know, we're still in the middle of this NBA Finals, but this team could win. If they win tomorrow night, they could win another one next year, yeah. and it wouldn't shock anybody. But, yeah, did you see the fake Clay Thompson? The other day, the fake Clay Thompson. I did not. You know the guy that looks exactly like Clay Thompson. Yeah. He's been around, you know, for a few years now since you know, obviously the Warriors have gotten big. He looks exactly like Clay Thompson. So he walked in through the players' entrance the other day. Okay, like before Game Five. I swear to God, you got to look it up. It's on House of Highlights. He walks yeah. in the players' entrance in like. He has like a jacket on, a little zip-up jacket, shorts, and like a jersey underneath. You can kind of see it. It looks exactly like Clay Thompson. Right. So he walks through, goes through security, whatever, gets by security, goes onto the court, starts shooting around, hitting threes, things like that. No, come on. Go look it up. Ten minutes go by. Finally, a security guard sees him shooting around and goes, I'm going to need to see your credentials. And they, she ended up escorting them out, but it was, it's crazy. What the hell? He had somebody on? videoing oh. him. So maybe it kind of looked real because Clay Thompson, you know, wouldn't be shocking if Clay Thompson was walking in and somebody was filming him. We got to look, you got to look it up on house of highlights. This is where Here I saw go. it this morning. Yeah, sneaking in the game five of the NBA finals. Oh my God. Yeah. He's on the court shooting and he's hitting shots. Actually he looks pretty good. looks like he can play a little bit. He's, he's a little bigger, chubbier than Clay Thompson is, but I mean, looks almost exactly like him. It's hysterical. Do you guys have NBA credentials or anything? No, they just let us in. Yeah. He's literally, I mean, he, I mean it's smart to keep the hood up. Yeah. yeah he, he's not, he's not making shots like Clay Thompson can, but um, that's pretty good. What's the, uh, there's another uh, impersonator. Oh, the Max Scherzer guy. That, yeah, that guy is crazy. That guy really does look like Max Isn't Scherzer. Isn't he like an actor or something? He's not like a nobody, right? He's not he, a nobody. I think he's got some sort of other digger. He's known, he's, he's known for something. He's That's scary. I don't know which one's scary. I think the Scherzer one's actually a little more scary. Yeah. Just I'll like tell you one thing, though, Murph. The Boston Celtics, I mean, obviously, I could sit here all day and talk about how important this game is. You know, they don't need to hear that crap. Obviously, if they lose, their season's over. The uh, the Warriors win. We want to throw around Jason Tatum's name with names like KD and Giannis and, you know, the, the top players in the league, especially KD, because I think a lot of people, you know, compare his game to KD's. Um, if you want to have your name in that conversation – you need to come through in a big situation like this. And I understand Jason Tatum's only 24 years old and all that, but that's great and everything. Of course, the guy's 24 years old. I think he'll be a fantastic player in this league for years. But if you want to throw his name in the ring at, as, at 24 years old, I'm not going to treat him like a 24-year-old. I'm going to treat him like a superstar or a you know, top five player in the league that some people are trying to call him right now. So – you know, averaging less than four points per game in the fourth quarter in the finals is not going to get it done. I'm sorry. Air, air balling twice in game five. That's not going to get it done. He's a star. 
And a lot of people, rightfully so, after, you know, the end of this season and, you know, the beginning of this postseason, wanted to put Super in front of Star. And rightfully so with the way he was playing. But he had to come up big, and he hasn't come up big. Even in the Eastern Conference Finals, he didn't have a good series there. And, you know, he played well um, a little bit, you know, stat line-wise in Game 5. But... Again, he has not stepped up and been that guy for his team. So you're 100% correct. If he doesn't step it up and have a couple of big games here, and he could change the narrative. If he goes for 40 the next two nights and the Celtics win the championship, we will put him in that superstar category, right. no doubt about it. He yeah. could have a big game seven, and we're possibly talking about it. Yeah. But right now, no, you are right. He has not put himself – he hasn't positioned himself well to, to really consider himself a superstar. You cannot name those names and then – and Jason Tatum's with and the there's there's still plenty of time. I mean, you look back at the all-time greats and and, and even the current players who are are you know these household names and future Hall of Famers, and we're throwing them up with the names like Michael Jordan and all the greatest players to ever play. They didn't win their first championships or become these fantastic players right off the bat. I mean, how long did it take LeBron? How long did it take Steph? KD? It took a while. Giannis is the only guy I could think of of winning it with you know at a pretty young age. I mean, Kobe even when did, when did Kobe was Kobe really Kobe didn't win without Shaq, right? No. Kobe didn't win without Shaq not, in, yeah, the begin, not, in the beginning obviously he won after yeah. Shaq left, but not until Shaq got there. So it's it's not it's okay for them to not win, for him to not win right now if they lose this series and for him not to light up the finals because he'll be a superstar eventually, but we can't already give the title of superstar top five player in the league, top seven player in the league, whatever you want to call him. And he can't come through in big moments like this. I mean, 22 a game, 34% from the field with with 45% three point shooting, which is just bizarre. So he's just God awful from, from within the three point line, but outside of it, he's lights out. And like you said, he, I think he is going to be a superstar. Even you know, even if we could say it after the series, he will be. He's a fantastic player, and he's still so young. But we're just looking at what we got in front of us. Exactly. And I even want to. I want. I would like to see what his stats are. It were in the Eastern Conference Finals because he was not good there, and it took seven games to his, get through that. His points per game in the fourth quarter has decreased in every playoff series. Yeah. He was great against – it's funny because he was great against the Bucs. He was unbelievable against the Bucs. They obviously don't win that series without him. Yeah. But he has definitely uh, – his performance has tailed off a little bit. Uh, so, like we said, game six tomorrow. Do you think Golden State clinches it, or do we go back to Golden State for a game seven? I think we go back to Golden State for a game seven, to be honest with you. Um Golden State clearly has momentum right now. Uh, it, it was a big shift. You know, they could have gone down 3-1. Steph Curry had that great game, game four, and now they won game five. So going to Boston up 3-2, the Warriors, you, you can never afford to lose a game in the NBA Finals necessarily, but obviously they're not done if they lose, and even if they do lose, they go back to their home home court. So, um, I think the Celtics have a lot of pressure on them right now. And, you know, pressure either crumbles you or it, it makes diamonds. So um, we'll see. I think I think Jason Tatum will finally – I don't think he'll necessarily go out and drop 50. You know, I, th- I don't think he's going to go crazy like that. I think the Warriors defend him very well. I think Andrew Wiggins defends him very well. But I think he'll play good enough, and then his teammates, you know, will will play good around him for the Celtics to be able to – to win a close game over under um, how many times does Draymond Clay or Steph cry about the fans in Boston? Did Steph say anything? two and a half? No, he didn't, but they're just, just throwing, you know, just throwing his name in there just in case. What the hell? What the hell did, did you see what uh, the Curry's are up to Dell and uh, I blank, you uh, blanket on the mom's name. Um, to I uh, Aisha, no, not Aisha. Is That's the wife. Stella. Aisha's the wife. L and Sonia, 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 Sonia. 
So the, obviously they they're divorced. If you don't know this, they're divorced. That's Steph Curry's parents. So they're now dating two people that were family friends, but they're also divorced. Right. So Sonia's dating the husband of a friend that's gotten divorced, and Dell's dating that person's wife. Yeah, pretty pretty twisted situation. And Dell brought that woman to one of the games, game four or five. And you see them celebrating together. So, uh, yeah, that that's pretty interesting. That's a little tea talk right there. Sorry, my computer wants to update at the worst times. Every oh, that that time. would that would be good. Good thing it didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, when did they get divorced? It was like a year ago, and something like that. Maybe I think two so- years ago. Sonia cheated on Dell. No. Yes, and they think with this guy. Oh yeah. I mean, a quick turnaround. Yeah, you know what? I could see it. Quick turnaround like that. Then Dell says, you know what? I'll do you one better. Give me the ex-wife. Boom. Bang. Done. Literally, bang. Literally. Wow. Mike Green. My, Mike Green. <laughs> Seriously, though. Puts it in. Yeah. You know. <laughs> wow. Seriously, I, though, I think Mike Breen should narrate, you know, certain scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Rick DiPietro had me crying today. Somebody called in and said the Jets are going to shock everybody. They're going to go 5-0 and to start the year. And Rick DiPietro, literally no hesitation, goes, if the Jets win the first five games of the year, I'll make a sex tape and release it to the public. <laughs> Oh my god, not to completely go off topic, but um you see your boy Makai today? Yeah, yeah, you know, I would really love for him obviously to to come out really motivated and have a fantastic season this year. But the keys just gotta shut up. I mean, he he makes he makes an idiot out of himself. Like people are reporting on you. You came into camp last year freaking gigantic and then you got hurt and missed the rest of the season you played three quarters of the football season and you know there's been a lot of questions about you so you want to play in new york and even you want to play anywhere just deal with this crap you don't stop going back i don't like rich samini but stop going back at him on twitter making t-shirts and everything just did you see the shit you saw the shirt he made yeah actions are better than words dude like they speak louder than words dude just Whatever. The shirt he made was, and he was wearing it today at his press conference. It was like big bust. And then it wrote fat, overweight, things like that. So, you know, using it to your motivation, I guess. But he did not release how much he weighs. Also, they asked him. He wouldn't say how much it is. He looks ginormous. Yeah. I mean. And I don't, I don't say that in a good way. And the Jets won't say how much he weighs. Why, though? You know, because either way, right? He's a very large man. So either way, we're going to be like, oh, wow, that's a lot. Why right. not? You, you just, why are you hiding it? It yeah. makes it look even worse. Exactly. Just say anyway. if the guy's, he, he can't be 400 pounds. If he is, then God oh, he's, help 400 us all. Pa- he's 400 pounds. No, I don't think he's yes. 400 pounds. Yes. If I'm correct, I, I read while he was rehabbing, he couldn't stop eating. He got up to 400 pounds. I'll look it up, but um, he got drafted. He was 365, 364. Yeah. That's when he got drafted. I don't know. Bigger now. I just Here we go. April 13th, 2022. Beckton weighed 364 pounds at the 2020 combine. Got up to at least 400 pounds while rehabbing Uh-oh. his knee injury. Yes, that was from Rich Media. I remember that. Okay. Oh, that's man. Cool. I'll take that Let's with say, a grain of salt just because it's Rich Mini, but oh my God. He looks it. All right. Let's get back to the NBA NBA very quickly before we uh, move over to Major League Baseball. The NBA Finals, it, it's, it's a very cool finals because most of it has these two teams that, especially the Warriors, these guys were drafted. They're homegrown guys. They did it exactly the right way. Yes, Golden State had that brief period with Kevin Durant, but Curry, Draymond, Clay, Pool. you can't yeah, well, pull 
Wiseman next year when he comes back. I think Looney was drafted by them. He's was, been big for them. Like now, did Gary Payton come over from Portland? No, he he was. I think he was. Oh, that's Gary Trent. Yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah, he was. He was drafted by them. Yeah, they've just done such an unbelievable job. Go over to uh, Boston. Jalen Brown drafted. Uh, Marcus Smart drafted. Obviously, Jason Tatum. These are their guys. So it's really been the Robert Williams. So this is really just so impressive to see what these two teams are doing. They've done it the right way. And it's been a pretty good finals, better than I thought, to be honest with you, considering right. the way the rest of the postseasons went, especially the the uh, finals. The, the Who knows? Finals. Maybe we've just been spoiled from previous matchups or whatever. I mean, you look back at the Warriors-Cavs series, the 73-9 and nine year. I, I really like when the hell is that finals ever going to be beaten? Coming back from a no. one lead, that game seven. I mean, that was just. But I think high. this is the best possible finals they could have had. And you have yeah. two historic franchises now to this point. You have two, I think, evenly matched teams. We've seen that. Two very be defensively better. sound teams, too. I don't know why Siri just thinks it could just pop up whenever the hell it wants, but she just did. You know, I, I use that Siri like the when you're in the car and you got to make a call or send a text you love or something. That. So I I hit the thing and it was just giving me problems today. Like I said, like call Michael Merlo. On it, five seconds goes by, nothing. One moment, like what? What? How hard can it be? Just well, sometimes she can't connect to whatever. Well, she's got to get it together. Yeah, well, it's her one job. That's yours, not mine. Mine are usually good. I don't use that in the car like you do, though. You use it big time. You should. I know. But I'm not always on CarPlay. Okay. It's, it's weird. I don't we always plug my phone in. Anyway, I think uh, I, 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 I think Golden State closes it out in Boston. Honestly, it's tough to say just because this series is you can't expect anything, honestly. But I'm I'm hoping for a game seven just for entertainment purposes. I do oh, want Gold- one. I do want Golden State to win, but I do. You're a diehard Knicks fan, of course you do. Oh yeah, diehard Knicks fan. No, I'm a yeah. diehard Boston hater. That's what I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think they lose. I think they lose at home in front of their fans. Be interesting. Maybe but- some. And then there's like some controversy after the game because you know the fans will go ballistic and like throw things and probably say a kid, a kid maybe cursing. Yeah. Did you see that? What Clay said? He said like I think we talked about it. How grown men were cursing in front of fans, and there's just videos of kids cursing like f Draymond. That was hilarious. (laughs) I was so funny. Like you're worried about you're worried about them cursing in front of the kids. Meanwhile, these kids from Boston are screaming f you. Like yeah, like it's nobody's business. Did you see people just crying that Dray? So Draymond Green has a podcast. Yes. And first of all, everybody has a podcast. Everybody has. I don't know if you saw what Tyreek Hill said. Yes, I I did see. Wait, about what? About Tua and Pat Mahomes. Oh, yes. They asked Tyreek Hill, or somebody asked him, or he just said it. Um, You know, you want – you can pick between the quarterbacks, whatever, and he's like, oh, in terms of arm strength, I'm going Pat Mahomes all day. But when it comes to accuracy, like, give me Tua. I was like, give you Tua? What the hell are you talking about? Anyways. Um, yeah, so Draymond Green has his own podcast, and people think since he's not had a great finals, like, and he recorded his podcast, like, he's, like, not focused and, like, doesn't care. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, what do you want the guy to do? Like, go home and, like, stare at his wall for the next three days and just think about basketball until they play the next game? I'm sure, I'm sure that's exactly what it is. And his podcast is actually pretty cool because he does it right after the game. So it's like his thoughts, you know, right. His, his raw emotions right off, right after the game. And people actually think in the media, they're kind of worried about that because if this podcast does do well, and I think it will, I think he's an entertaining personality as much as I dislike him. He's entertaining. 
they think that he's not even going to, you know, when he goes in for his post-game press conference, it's going to be nothing because he wants to put everything on his podcast. And they think that maybe it'll uh, take away from that. But right, who knows? He's got like NBA on TNT written all over him. Draymond, yeah. In the future. You know, you know what's funny? I've realized well, Charles Barkley, I, out of every TV media personality, I think he's the most entertaining out of everybody. He's hilarious. Like he's funny. He's he could be insightful. He's real. Yeah. Like he's the best. He is so funny. That whole uh, panel is great. Oh yeah, they're the they're the best. You know, Ernie Johnson, the goat. Love him. They win awards every year. I mean, they're they're that good. Yeah. But yeah, Charles Barkley is the man, and that he you're right. He just he could just sit right there and be perfect. Yeah. Right there. All right. I think that's enough basketball. A lot of basketball there. Uh, we come back. We got a lot of interesting discussions when it comes to Major League Baseball. So uh, stay tuned to the, for that. We'll be right back. The SD Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at SNDPodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Episode 67 of the Hardline Sports Talk. We are back. Michael Merlo and John Michael Masiri with you. Uh, let's get in some baseball here. We're going to travel out west to start off tonight as we've got some very, very interesting things happen out there. The NL West is gonna be something to finish off this year we knew the dodgers were gonna be great we knew the padres were gonna be pretty good and we knew the giants were gonna be pretty good but the padres have been better than expected and got bad news on fernando tatis the other day and they've been without him all season long they've played the tied for first and the giants over the weekend sweep a three-game series at home from the dodgers and they got bad news on Walker Buehler. So we'll start with the Giants and the Dodgers. Dodgers get swept on the road. Not looking good for them right now. No, they're not playing so hot. And you just said, you know, the Walker Buehler news. And, you know, this is a Dodger team that obviously had immense expectations coming into this year, and we still expect them. I mean, they're still atop the division. Was it at half a game now? They, they, are, they lose the lead. They're tied, right. So, yeah, Padres playing really good baseball. Obviously, now they're making this division anybody's right now. But um, besides the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, they suck. Um, But, you know, this Dodgers team had a lot of expectations, and some guys aren't performing to those abilities. They're getting hit by the injury bug a little bit. So uh, anytime you can deal with adversity like that and still stay at the top of the division and be fighting for it, you know, you're in pretty good shape. But I'll tell you, they need – offensive production uh out of some guys in the lineup that they just haven't gotten it from i mean even will your boy will smith he's he's not having a will smith year and uh you know he's a guy who's we were expecting to maybe take the title as the best catcher in the league this year um yasmani grandal doesn't want that title anymore clearly who's got that title yeah real mudo no jose trevino boom there you go um real mudo's having a terrible year yeah no it's it's not the year of the catcher it's wilson Contreras. honestly is the best catcher in the game right now alejandro kirk he's good but jose trevino yeah. clears um starter starter in the all-star game mm, for the american up. league alejandro mm, kirk back up <laughs> what the hell happened to max muncie he's hurt he can't hit it's it's crazy the trajectory of some guys, how guys will slowly tail off and then some guys just fall off a friggin' cliff. That's Max not Muncy. good. Not good with Max Muncy. Uh, yes, yeah, 71 OPS plus. And he was, we were talking, we talked about it last week with Tony LaRussa and the, uh, the intentional walk on the, the one, two count and Muncy ended up making him pay. Other than that, since he's come back, he's done really nothing. You know, and and other guys in this lineup, too, have not played to what the back of their baseball guard says. Freeman's having, you know, a pretty good season, but the power has not been there. I mean, I was reading, I saw a graphic the other day 
that um, Matt Carpenter of the Yankees has more home runs than Freddie Freeman right now in a Dodger uniform, five home runs. And he has an 815 OPS. He's having a pretty good season. But again, it's not the Freddie Freeman season you, you know, expect. And yes, you you should give him, you know, a little leeway his first season with the team. But I, I didn't think he was going to need this long to adjust. No, and, you know, he's a guy who obviously has been an elite hitter in the league for many years now and was expected to make an impact right away. And, you know, he like you said, he's not doing bad. But we're kind of waiting for somebody other than Mookie Betts to come out and play to the back of their baseball card on this on this team. And Trey Turner's been hitting really, really well lately. He's, he, he's definitely picked it up. Even, you know, his numbers are they're right, they're close to what we're used to out of Trey Turner, but they're not exactly what we would have thought, especially going into his age 28, 29 season here, getting to the heart of his prime going back to the year he had last year. And obviously baseball, you know, offense is around is down around the league. Um, but you know, batting 297 right now, seven homers, 812 OPS, really good numbers for a shortstop. And obviously we know about the speed, 13 stolen bases, and he plays good defense, but gonna need those offensive numbers to to get a little bit better. Right. And then the bad get this a gigantic contract this offseason. The bad start to the season, obviously, you know the numbers are a little lower than you expected, but he has played a lot better um, close to 300. And like you said, he's batting 297. So he seems like he's going to be fine. Maybe the pressure, like you just said, of trying to get that big time contract could be getting to his head a little bit, but um, let's move over to the pitching side, because like I just said before, they did lose Walker Bueller and he's going to be out for an extended period of time. And, you know, I don't think they really got to worry I mean, they've had such great pitching. Tony Gonsolin has been unbelievable this season. Tyler Anderson, the lefty from Pittsburgh last year, has been great. I mean, very, very good for this team this year. Uh, Kershaw's back now. Urias has been good. And they should be getting Andrew Heaney back in a, in a week or so. So they have a ton of pitching depth. They always do. Their bullpen's always solid. I'm sure they're able to add to it, though, at the deadline. But I think they're going to be just fine. That they will. I mean, they're just loaded top to bottom. They are. They can afford it. But there's definitely competition in the division. We knew it, but I didn't think the Padres were going to be this good. I thought no. the Padres were going to be, you know, probably where the Giants are right now, seven, eight games over 500. But they're 15 games over 500. They've they're right there with them. And the injuries are not coming at a great time for the Dodgers. Right. Um, I know that we're I'm gonna go off topic here, but remember last week when I was talking about the Chicago Cubs Twitter? Yeah. Wait. No. The Cubs Twitter account. I remember the other day you were. Oh, maybe it was maybe I didn't it was off air we were talking about. Yeah. It. The Cubs tweeted against the Yankees. Um the Yankee fans think everything is a home run. Yeah, he then proceeded funny. to hit six home runs and said, can you blame them? Um, well, it's gotten worse. And this was from a couple days ago against the Padres. We were talking, we're talking about the Padres. Yes. Um, they tweeted, we expect to play tonight. Like there was like rain in the forecast. Tornado warning, actually. Yes. And somebody replied, I expect the Padres to win tonight also. And then the Cubs replied, I expect your tears to be all over this timeline in a few hours. Oh. The Cubs then proceeded to lose the game 4-1. to one. A lot of confidence coming out of a significantly below 500 ball club on Twitter. Yes. And I don't know what intern or what moron is controlling this account. But people, you, you know, you're on Twitter. People reply to the final score with these memes and making fun or whatever. And the Cubs are just like ripping off replies to these people just going back at them and just continuously just embarrassing themselves on Twitter after taking a loss and they just can't deal with it and just exchanging blows with these random people. So uh, I think they need to log off of Twitter for a little bit. And I, whoever is controlling this account, I think they need to be fired. Considering they're such a bad team, 
Uh, yes, I, I think they should as well. And it's just inappropriate to go back at fans the way they were. And again, being as bad of a team as you are, getting outscored, what was it, 28 to 5 over the weekend? Yes. Yeah. Not not great. Not great. If it's not like Joe Girardi would say, it's not what you want. Not what you want. Mm-hmm. It's not what you want. Uh, <laughs> Joe Girardi. Oh, AirPod fell out. Um, the Giants, pretty good team. Not the New York Giants, the San Francisco Giants, pretty yeah, good team. Definitely the sweep, not the New York Giants, right? The, the sweep over the Dodgers this weekend, staying in it. You know, they were like, "Hey, we're still here." Yeah, and they've got one of the three nicest uniforms in all of baseball. They're like, "We are still here." What was my top five? The top five is easy. If you don't have the top five, if you don't have the same top well, five, in no particular, in no particular order, the top five is Dodgers, Yankees, Giants, Cardinals, Red Sox. All right, I would right. I would. Say, would I would put Braves or Red Sox. Right. Okay. But yeah, I. All right, you're good. Mm. It's you're a good. Classic jersey. Yeah. Nobody wants you fancy designs. You know. Giants are beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful jersey. It's like the Giants it's like a cream orange with the blouse. What I'll say about the Giants: the roads are nice. The back of the roads are like in my opinion better than the front i'm not crazy you know it's san francisco you gotta fit that all across the chest it's a little bit of a tight squeeze with all those letters yeah it's the only thing i'm not crazy about but they do have very nice jerseys and you know something we we forget about is you know what comes with the jersey every the the hat makes the jersey yes you gotta have a nice classic hat nothing super fancy What's the worst hat in baseball? The A's? I don't hate the A's hat. Uh, give me a minute to think. The Mariners? The Mariners have a pretty bad everything. Yeah. I had a Mariners hat. I had like every hat. Oh, we left out. Eh, I guess they the Cubs aren't in that list that we just said. The top five. I think they're right outside the top five, though. Okay. Rockies don't have the greatest hat. I'm not a huge fan. I can't. I love all hats, so it's really difficult for me to say, "Oh, this is the worst hat." Right. The Marlins. I think the Marlins. I don't like the new hat. Oh, the Marlins suck. The whole Marlin uniform sucks. Yeah. Anyway, back to baseball. Uh, let's move off of the NLS and let's go to the AL East, where we've currently got. Four playoff teams right now, the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox, who just won, I think, their fourth consecutive game, if I'm correct. I think I am. Let's just check myself quick. Yes, their fourth consecutive game against the A's. So uh, before we get into this little discussion about the bullpen, uh, let's talk about the Yankees division rivals who have played very well. There are still nine games out, though. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately, the team that they're chasing just continues to win baseball games. But, um, yeah, the division's loaded. The Blue Jays are, are playing the way we thought the Blue Jays were going to play. They're already 12 games over 500. Um, Alec Manoa is possibly the Cy Young winner in the I, th- right I think he is. And uh, Vlad hit a bomb tonight. I don't know if you saw that. Vlad already hit a nuke tonight. Um, Vlad, and, uh, Vlad's getting hot and go little man, little fat man, go Alejandro Kirk. He could, he could swing the bat. He's, He's been, been huge for them. them. Literally oh, I heard myself, myself echo a little bit. He, hearing that go. He's been huge. Oh, that's a fat joke at Alejandro Kirk. Yeah. Sorry. Alejandro. Well, that's, that was just low hanging for that. It was like an alley-oop. The ball was already in the air. I just had a, to, to slam it down that's well he'll be happy when he's starting catching alec manoa at the all-star game this year that's all in the first inning of the game he'll be he'll be getting pitching to jose trevino right he'll be getting the last laugh there but uh yeah bo bichette has played better too now again not what we thought we were gonna see offenses down like you said but he's been better of late 
So they, they're just getting hot at the right time like they've needed to, and they've put themselves firmly in the number one wild card spot in the American League. The Yankees beat up on the Rays today. Again, they've taken the series from them. And listen, Boston's playing well. Let's give them credit. And uh, they win another game. Yeah, I mean, they got a playoff spot, four playoff spots in this division. And now to the Yankees, who just won their sixth straight and put themselves 30 games over 500. It's June 15th, by the way. Uh, they are on pace to win over 120 games. Uh, an insane start for the Yankees. I think it was their fifth best start coming into this week of all time. So, Which is crazy, because if it was any other team, it would probably be like the best start of all time. But, they, you know, they just had guys on hot dogs and beer in 1920 yeah there was one at 98 was a very impressive start that was their last like great start which was better than this one right but still an an insane start and they have a familiar face coming back and i kind of wanted to get into this discussion because we see it all around baseball so roldis chapman is coming back i don't know exactly when is he he's like relatively soon if Boone is talking about him and he kind of hinted at, you know, Clay Holmes was kind of going to go back to that role of coming in when the, when it's the highest leverage situation. And you, we see this is kind of an analytical move where you bring your best reliever in when you're facing, you know, in the most important spot in the game, if you have your relief pitcher in it. And we've, I've seen the Mets do this a couple of times now with Diaz, they bring Diaz in early, but what do you, what do you think of this? I think that the Yankees are crazy to have a role to Chapman come back and have him permanently closing games. I mean, I, I don't, Clay Holmes is right now having a historic season. I think his ERA after tonight is either 0.3 or below Point three, which is it's insane. He's got an eighty-two percent ground ball rate. He's throwing a hundred mile an hour sinkers that are breaking twenty inches. Like the guy is untouchable, and you know this isn't a team that is you know middle of the road and and they could just have a closer and throw him out there and hopefully he's good. Like you you know this is a team that's supposed to win the World Series. You need to have a dynamite closer and you know the Yankees have the closest thing to Mariano Rivera I I know you know that's a crazy comparison but the way he's pitching so far this year uh you know they have the closest thing to Mariano Rivera that they've seen in a while so it's really important for them to be able to close games out and I think having Chapman come back and just be like hey you got the closer role again Clay let's just use you in these high level situations which I don't think is a bad thing to use in a high, you know, Clay Holmes in a high lever situation. But if it comes down to the Yankees are up by two runs in the ninth and they have their choice between Clay Holmes and Roldis Chapman for some reason, you know, they both haven't been used or they're planning ahead where which one are they going to use in which inning? Clay Holmes is the ninth inning guy. Yeah. Um, I don't really see any reason why they should make a change. And Michael K was kind of bringing this up before he thought that it was more mental than anything else when it comes to Aroldis Chapman, because they don't believe that he can handle not being the guy in the ninth inning. Well, and it, I, that just, I don't know. Who are you? You know, like, I know he probably means that from more of a genuine standpoint where he's saying it's not Chapman being like, Oh, screw this. I'm the closer. It's more of a he's so used to being a closer, a change like that would be a shock to him or whatever. But listen, Aroldis Chapman isn't what he was in the beginning of his career with the Yankees or, or with his you know career with the Reds where he's pumping out 102, 103 consistently every night. You know, we've seen his fastball get down all the way to 94 miles an hour this year. So, uh, you know, he's still got great stuff. He's got that splitter that's just literally untouchable. But he's not the pitcher that he once was and he struggles with the command and we know about the injuries and everything like that. So I don't understand where the Yankees and we're in such an analytical world now in baseball. How can you have a person designated to close games? That's like me saying, uh, you know, I'm going to put, I'll use Anthony Rizzo for whatever example. I'm going to put Anthony Rizzo in the game 
in the ninth inning, no matter who's pitching for the team we're facing, if it's a lefty, if it's a righty, what kind of pitches they have, how many guys are on base, I'm going to put Anthony Rizzo in there. But we know if there's a pitcher in there that Anthony Rizzo can't really hit or a lefty, you know, he's a lefty, he, he can't hit as well against lefties, you're not going to put him in there. So why does it apply that way for hitters? But for pitchers, it's I don't care who's what situation it is, who's at the plate, what team we're playing, if we're up in the ninth, and it's a safe situation, I'm putting a role as Chapman. No, that's not what you're going to do. Right, and I get that, and I like that move. Buck could use Diaz against the Dodgers in the bottom of the eighth when Betts, Freeman, and Trey Turner were coming up. Those are their best three players, and that's were up two runs right. at the time. You want to use your best reliever when you believe is the highest leverage situation. I understand that, but like you just said, if it comes down to it where, okay, you have both of them, and you almost have a choice that, okay, in the ninth inning, if I had to go with somebody, it's obviously Clay Holmes, and it's not really close at this point. So, I don't know, it just seemed kind of sketchy, and it almost feels like Boone has made up his mind already. Like, I can't use this guy in any other situation. So, we'll I, no, see what I think, happens. I don't, I don't think necessarily. I think Boone was just saying – I think he was actually kind of saying the opposite. He, was, he said Clay Holmes is still going to be closing games. He didn't say every game, but he'll still be closing games. Who you think Ch- Holmes will be? Yeah, not consistently. Like Chapman will be closing games too, but you know, I think he's going to be aggressive with Clay Holmes, and he's not afraid to have a role as Chapman. I don't know if that means he'll have Chapman set up or not pitch at all. I don't know what that's going to be like. It would be weird and hard to get used to if you put Chapman in the eighth inning and Clay Holmes comes in the ninth. But you would like that, no? I mean, isn't that what you'd want? Yeah, that that's what it's got to be. So we'll see what happens with that. But the Yankees, like you just said, Aaron Judge hit his 25th home run off to an historic start himself. I'd like to see him make this uh, 61 a uh, 61 home runs. Roger Maris's record, a, a real thing. You think he, you think he has a shot at at least making it interesting late, all, you know, in September? Oh, I think he's definitely got a shot. I mean, 25 home runs, and we're 62 games into the season. What's he on pace for? Um, Let's see. Uh, how many games into the season are we right now? The Yankees are 66. 62. 62. They're 46 and 16, right? Okay, so let's go to the old calculator. Let's I'm going to guess 66. Let's do 25 divided by 62 times 162. He's on pace for 65 home runs right now. Wow. So he'd break that record. And he, and he would flirt with Bonds. Yeah. He'd flirt with 70. That'd, I be, mean, that'd be something. That would be something. I think he definitely has a realistic shot, you know, knock on wood health-wise, uh, if as long as he stays healthy. Of of getting, let's be honest, the real home run record. Sure. The I mean, the record books, the record books does say seventy, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but you know, a you lot call, of people, you call it, you call it the real home. Run. A lot of people are going to celebrate it as the real home run record if he does break it. Yeah, they will. But it's not I will true. be one of those people. Oh, so you're, so you're spreading fake news around? No, is what news. you're doing. You'd be spreading false information around if that's what you would do. Real. Okay. That's cool. I see what you're into. That's fine. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Let's move on quickly to the Atlanta Braves, who have won 14 games in a row now, beating the Nationals tonight. They are four games out of the division, and they're 10 games over 500. Um, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. I'm going to read you something and then like you tell me if I'm crazy to say no. So when Max Scherzer went down uh, from blanking on the date in May, whenever it was right, the Mets were five and a half games up. So now they're the Braves are now four. So essentially since that date, the Braves are on a 14 game winning streak and they made up a game and a half in the division. Since that day. Game and a half, that's it? They were five and a half out the day Scherzer went down. 
So yes, the Mets lead went up to 10 and a half and then they went out West as the Braves started their 14 game winning streak. Right. I see what you're so, saying. So the reason why the Mets went up 10 and a half games was because they played two really crappy teams and won six straight at home right, right before they went out West and the Braves were on a little bit of a losing streak. Well, then but the then Braves that completely, also played a bunch of crappy teams. I mean, they, and now they, the and now the Braves on this winning streak haven't played a, a team over five hundred. And give credit to them; and they haven't lost a freaking game. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, I don't know. I I never thought that the Braves were just gonna go down easy. I I never no, thought I picked them not. to win the division. Yeah, of course not. I mean, they're defending World Series champions, and they don't. You know, they lost Freeman, but they got Matt Olson, who's as good, if not a better first baseman. And they have a young, good starting pitching rotation. Acuna's back now, which I think has a big deal to do with this winning streak. Unfortunately, Albies got hurt, so that'll that'll really hinder them. But they're a good team, man. And their they're pitching is really – Yeah, pitching is really coming together. They have this Spencer – give me his last name. Stritter. Stritter. Rookie of the year, possibly in the NL. Him and Mackenzie Gore seem to be the leading candidates right now. He's nasty. Mm, Charlie was... Morton's not having a great year. No, but uh, Max Five, Freed, six, Max Freed, Freed, both of our Cy Young picks, actually yep. having a really nice year. So, yeah, money on them to win the Cy Young. But uh, yeah, they're very good. They got a good bullpen. They're missing a couple of guys right now. And there's this blog on Twitter. They're called Sports Talk ATL. And they were talking crap about the Mets. And they one guy wrote, he writes for them, he goes, I don't know how the Mets win games. Talking about like how they don't how they don't hit the ball hard and their peripheral peripherals are bad. Meanwhile, they're number one in runs, number one in batting average, number one in on base percentage, whatever. And just first of all, I can't stand that. That's number one because they are the number one, one of the best offenses in baseball. I think they're right. second and runs a game in the NL right now. But either way, he's comparing, or he was comparing Kirby Yates, Eddie Rosario, and Mike Soroka to the injuries that the Mets have to DeGrom and Scherzer. What? I swear to God. And I was like, I, I, that's when I clicked off of it. Is Kirby I don't want to read always more. on the IL. Uh, when was Kirby Yates? I don't even remember them signing Kirby Yates. Me neither. But um, anyway, I just found that's that just funny. a ridiculous statement. That's just I that's all I can say. Oh yeah, he is. They did sign him. Uh, wait, hold on. He hasn't pitched since 2020 2020. Okay, whatever. But yeah, so I never thought the Braves were just gonna die out like that. They're back, and it you know, I was telling you before when we were uh, taking a break, 15 games between these two teams. That's where the division is going to be won, right there. 15 games between yep. the Mets and the Braves to finish off this season. And they don't play them again until July. So they're going to go from July, the middle of July, right before the All-Star break, to October playing each other 15 times. So it's right. going to get very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And the teams are going to get healthier, hopefully, and it, it should make for fun baseball. Billy's had a really nice win tonight. Or today. Yeah, I, yeah. Garrett Stubbs, who, by the way, this should not sound like a crazy statement, should be their starting catcher. Yeah. I'm not lying to you. Yeah. He's really you go, that awful. You got to go take a look at these numbers. And Garrett Stubbs, 968 OPS. Honestly, a, seven, a 676 OPS isn't the worst thing in the world for a catcher these days. But, yeah, no. Yelmudo, not good. Yeah, paid him all that money too. And I, I wanted him on my team, but uh, I don't know. We still paid a lot for a bad catcher. Either way, the Phillies under Rob Thompson have looked a lot better. They're still like eight something, eight, eight and a half, eight games out. Yep. So uh, they'll make it interesting. But you know what? You watch a game, you know, like on, on Tuesday night, and they, they were down, they came back, they had this great comeback. And they're up 9-8 going to the top of the ninth, and they gave up three runs because their defense can't get their head out of their asses, and their bullpen's terrible. So it's like, yeah, okay, the offense has picked it up, and they're playing better under Rob Thompson, but I can't trust this team. No, not at all. Nobody can. You can't You can't trust them. So 
that's where we're at in the NL East at this point. Uh, the Mets do expect Jacob deGrom back in early July, and Scherzer, who's ahead of schedule, could be back by the end of June. But according to Ken Rosenthal, the Mets are going to take it slow, slower than they thought with him, so maybe early July because he, he was like two or three weeks ahead of schedule. But there's no need to rush an injury like that considering they still do have the best record in the National League. Yeah, exactly. They just – you know, the, the Mets really, they're halfway there. They need to get through June. Everybody likes to be pessimistic and say, oh, wait till the Mets collapse in June. And they look pretty good right now. I mean, obviously, we're talking about the Braves right now, you know, knocking on the door, and they cut it to four games now. But the Mets are 41-23, and 23, best record in the NL. Just just have a decent June and, and shut all these people up. Yeah, it's, it's been a tough June. They've gotten through the toughest stretch, I think, and after after Thursday's game against the the Brewers, they play the Marlins and the Astros the rest of the month. Yeah. So four games the Mar- against the Astros, right? Two and two. Two and two, and then they play a four game set and a three game set versus the Marlins. So nineteen. The Mets have not played the Marlins yet, so they got nineteen games left against the Marlins. You gotta you know win twelve really. thirteen. Yeah. That's bizarre. In June, mid June, they haven't played the Marlins yet. Haven't played the Marlins yet, so 19 games left against the Marlins. Murray, you're going to see a lot of Sandy Alcantara. I know. Not happy about that. The one thing that is okay about playing this team is they're, they struggle offensively. Their starting pitching is unbelievable, but they struggle offensively at times. They're inconsistent, and their bullpen is atrocious. Yeah. yeah. So you got to win 12 to 13 of these games mm-hmm. you know, the rest of the way if, if you're going to lock up the division. And, you know, they're almost like you play in a lesser team. You got 19 games against them. Come on. You got you to take care of those. You got to take care of those teams. Give me 12 and 7. That not enough, though. Is that enough? Is no, that I'll, I'll, t- I'll take that. 12 and 7. I'll take 12 yeah. and 7. We like, struggle historically against the Marlins. It's like two out of three every time. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Hey, sign me up. Sign me up. The, the they're already nine and three thing against the Phillies. They've lost two games or three games to the the Nationals. So they they're nineteen and seven, I think, within the division to start the year, which is good. You always want to win good. division games as much as possible. Um, anything else here? I don't think so. Judge and Judge and the Yankees are going for the arbitration, correct? Soon. Ooh, they have to have like their he the hearing or whatever. Right. They have to get a deal done. Maybe by, like while they're talking, the Yankees be like, "Yo, by the way, like eight years, three hundred. Like you want it or?" That's what I'm thinking. Like, do you? Yeah, the the question was posed to Ken Rosenthal before the uh, tonight's game. They had it on FS1, uh, the Mets and the the Brewers. Do you think that maybe they're like, you know, I know you don't want to negotiate during the year, but. Uh... Here's what you wanted. Here's the deal you wanted. I don't think so. I don't think he'd accept it. I don't think so either. And I think they have that mute. The I think the Yankees don't want to poke the bear, kind of, because they already talked to Judge and he said, you know, he doesn't want to negotiate during the season. And I don't think they want to piss him off by trying to negotiate during the season. Yeah, that makes don't, sense. Don't piss him off. That makes sense. Although, if they feel like it's an offer that gets it done, I don't know. It, contract negotiations are so tough. But if I think if he if they went to them and said eight years, three hundred, I think he may may accept that. He should. That would be over the thirty six million a year by a little bit. Clay Holmes right, now has twenty eight scoreless uh, straight twenty eight straight scoreless appearances. That's tied with Mariano Rivera for the longest in Yankees history. Is that all this – that's all this season? Yes. Or does that date back to last season? All this season. Yep. You know, it's funny. Speaking of Mariano Rivera, uh, Buck Showalter said that Corbin Burns' cutter looks – he said it is Mariano Rivera just as a starting pitcher. That's what he said about his cutter. Wow. That's that is some list. high praise. A little bit. A little, little bit. little bit. You see the uh, – you excited for the Jeter documentary? I am excited for the Jeter documentary. I haven't gotten. What is it coming out on ESPN, Netflix? What are they doing? Uh, ESPN. I'm very excited for that. Actually, I'm gonna have to uh, tune in a little bit. A Rod documentary is... next. Nah, just kidding. I I really can't stand him now. He's the worst. I, I 
I know he's he's really not my favorite person anymore, but they should make an A Rod documentary because you know, oh, he's the would goat. Have a lot of content. It would. They can make a fifteen part series on just oh, A Rod, and every episode be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, that's gonna do it. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Maybe we'll have a champion in the NBA. Yeah, maybe even the NHL. Who, who knows? Are they, is there yeah. a possibility we see a sweep? Um, by the I time we know. record, no. Uh, it depends what time the game. It depends they're playing the game record. Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, if we record later on the week, but, but the not. Avs did. The Avs did win game one. Avs won game one in overtime tonight. So this will uh, be a good series. Yeah, we'll say. I hope so. All right, we'll talk to you guys next time.